The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player or situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Bob Harris, is that a Halloween costume I can get? <laughs> no, they, they don't allow anything this scary out on the streets, I'm told. And, and the funny thing is, I've kept the same costume, and somehow it gets more frightening every year. Wow. Well, I, I liked it. I thought I would wear it, because uh, certainly the the one I have is not a costume either, and it's, it ain't helping me. The, the modified Uncle Fester here that I'm I'm sporting, huh? I, I, I kind of dig it. Yeah. It's <laughs> Grab a light bulb. Athletic Fester, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Fester always was my favorite, so maybe that's why that's why you and I are buds. That's there that shallow it. thing right there. Um, it doesn't take much. Yeah, to make a connection. You know, there's a there is a Zach Moss might be kind of the Uncle Fester of this this Adams family of the Colts because he keeps hanging around. I know Jonathan Fester <laughs> oh, did did pretty good um, last week, but Zach Moss <clears throat> kept looked good. What do you think? Uh he's. Playing extremely well. I wonder if he's, you know, I mean, if he's going to continue to command this playing time. I don't think it's the desired outcome based on the paycheck that was recently handed out. Um, but also, teams want to win. And, you know, there's sort of, there's a handful of things that trump financial investments and investments in draft capital and all those things that are very important to the management. And that's uh, winning games, which is very important to the people on the field. And uh, yeah. I, I, so, so I feel like they're, you know, like, again, a lot of times I want to just go with the desired outcome. Jonathan Taylor is the desired outcome. But until that time, if, you know, we're navigating these murky waters right now, I mean, this week we have no buys, but there are plenty of injuries and situations that are causing trouble. Uh, you know, every week the NFL, last week it's serious, they asked me to do a, a, a short video, like my takeaways. And my takeaways for week six are my takeaways for every week. The NFL is a week-to-week game. It's super volatile, and it's designed to be that way. That's their desired outcome, right? So the things that I want to chase are certain volume. Um, but we don't always get that. There's not, you know, there there is not enough of that to go around. So we have to take our chances on some players that are less guaranteed volume or have the possibility of getting volume. Right now, Zach Moss falls into that category until he doesn't. And you know, I have. You know, I'm up two minds here because I'm also of the mind like, look, people are coming back. I don't need to play the 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 breakout game when someone's coming back from an injury or like Jonathan Taylor. I didn't need to roll him out right away if I had developed better options over time. Uh, conversely, you know, as much as I don't want to fall off the uh, the, the plunge, <laughs> fall, you know, play the plunge or or the, or the the drop did, off into yeah. nothingness, um, you know, it it. It's an it's an occupational hazard of being a fantasy manager. Well, I think you know, for me, Zach Moss looked good. He looked like the player I saw at Utah, and and nothing like the player I saw early on in his career Buffalo. in Buffalo. It's like right. he regained his confidence, and he's playing with that level of confidence. And I honestly think that the Colts could look at this, and if they're smart, they look at this and they go. Oh, we just fell into a Cleveland Browns esque yep. situation where we pay our high dollar guy Nick Chubb, and we're happy with that. But we also have a supplement in Cream Hunt, who we can do use a one-two punch this way, and maybe even get 
high-end production that helps our quarterback play because Lord knows that, you know, Gardner Minshew is a <laughs> is a fun player, and I joked last night that he is he's Earl from My Name is Earl of, of the NFL quarterbacks, um, and I meant that as a compliment, even though one person really didn't like that. But uh, he, uh, you know, they need help with that. They need a good running game to really thrive, and I think that right. they have it here. <laughs> Moss is someone I'm going to keep playing if if you're in a situation where you need a bye week running back or a flex play who you know where you're just not sure you're the guy that you want to start is actually delivering there at this stage. We're going to get to some of these other players, individuals, but as a whole, I mean, like if you're sitting there dealing with the uh, Arizona backfield or you know or any number of backfields, the Rams backfield current is currently comprised all those backfields that are you know, steeped in uncertainty, I feel like there's more certainty in Zach Moss than there is in those. Yeah. I feel that. Totally feeling that. Are you feeling Jalen Hyatt? Tyra Taylor, man, he he went after <laughs> Maybe it that's the question, right? That's a that I'm feeling Tyrod Taylor, right? Turning into twenty nineteen Buffalo Bills version Tyrod Taylor, who has probably always been that guy, right? Just, you know, opportunities matter. And so um I, I, I do think Jalen Hyatt is the piece of this, you know, passing attack that's kind of been the intriguing one out there since the draft. He's, you know, a lot of times, you know, my simple Sesame Street uh, logic of one of these things is not like the others. He's a little bit faster than the others, it seems. And so um, so there's I think there's some value in that. And, and I think I would I, I, I feel if I if he's available in leagues, I'm landing him right now and just stashing him. All these stashes and speculative plays, because I think we're going to talk about a few of them today are all totally dependent on your depth of, you know, your bench depth and, you know, whether you can hold on to a speculative play. Cause I don't know that he's going to be someone I want to play every week. Might want to see how things look with Daniel Jones back, but also I have a feeling that this offensive line at some point is going to get healthier. I mean, it seems like next week we could have one piece back. Andrew Thomas could be back next week and that'll make some difference. So, you know, well, even with Daniel Jones. So I, I guess that's what I, I, I like what you're hitting like on. Play. I'm, I like where you're going, Bob. So we're going to add an little element to this game of feel it or fuck it here. And what we're going to do is now we've got Zach Moss. We've talked about him. We've talked about Jalen Hyatt. So who would you rather have, Zach Moss or Jalen Hyatt at this point? Zach Moss. Uh, Zach Moss is the guy I can play every week right now still. Uh, and, and and fuck Jalen Hyatt. I can't I can't <laughs> stick him in. There's, a, there's enough. You go. He There's enough wide. <laughs> yeah, look, man, we can degree to he disagree. Does, he does not like wide receivers. He is totally a defensive back at heart. I have learned this about. We my can dog. agree to disagree, man. Yeah. Um. But but that's I. You know I think that's the the way I would separate those out. Is like I need immediate help, and some of this is still we're you know dealing with the the trauma of uh, overcoming the buy again, right? And we were doing playing players we didn't want to play. Uh. So I feel. I feel like this is probably a lot of these answers are going to be more, you know, I'm going to lean towards the, uh, the, the playable pieces, but there's something to be said for, uh, for speculative investment. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, with that in mind, Demario Douglas, where does he fit in? I mean, watching him against the bills, the bills are a depleted defense. So let's keep that in mind. But with the things that Demario Douglas could control, I would say he caught the ball very well. He was extremely good. Um, after the catch, very quick and shifty. He was one of the few players in the NFL that I saw this Sunday who actually, um, it was a good idea to have him moving horizontally with the field and then going downhill. Um, and he did a good job with those. But he he, he just showed up in pivotal moments um, throughout this game. And 
did things that regardless of how good the defense was, because if the defense were better, they probably would have just either covered him or prevented the ball from even reaching him. Um, but, it, you know, the fact that he had to make the athletic plays he did, I was encouraged by what I saw. And the one thing that the Patriots seemed to be good at is dealing with slot is picking slot receivers. That's the one thing they're good at with receiver um, yep. evaluation. So are you feeling him? A little bit. A little, little bit, bit, I am. Like, uh, yeah, hundred. I'm looking at Nathan Yankee's report from Pro Football Focus. Uh, played 100 percent of 11 personnel snaps. Wasn't in any 12 or uh, other personnel, but uh, but playing entirely in the slot, right? So that moves Kendrick Bourne back outside, and my guy Tyquan Thornton, who's not really my guy, but I drafted him with the last pick of many many drafts. Uh, you know, starting to push uh, Devontae Parker for time. So I think as you're sitting here, you know, there's probably two pieces of this receiving core that I'm interested in, and 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 Douglas, they call him Pop, I guess, for a reason. Yeah. Uh, not because he's an old guy. Um, he must and run so, yeah. Some pop, you know? Right. I'm, feel, I'm feeling him. I am. Yeah. And so, okay. So, would you would you feel him above Zach Moss or Jalen Hyatt? <clears throat> above Jalen Hyatt, yes. For Based on role. Again, you know, what I said earlier, chasing volume or anticipated volume. I think that's, you know, like neither offense is great. I'd probably rather find better offenses. But, but if I'm splitting the hairs, I'm probably going to the role of Douglas slightly over the upside of Hyatt. Totally agree with that. Jonathan Taylor, you know, looked like he had that good game, looked like that breakout game is here. They used him a lot as a receiver, which was so nice to see because he's always been able to catch the ball. Wheel route was nice. Had a screen where he really, it was a similar screen as Donta Foreman had, um, but he had to make more, he had to do more to get out something out of it than what Foreman had to do. And and we'll talk about why that was a little bit later here. It had more to do with quarterback play. But uh, Taylor, you, are you feeling him as a as a running back one now? Just plug him in and forget it? Yeah, you're probably playing him as that. <clears throat> I mean, ideally, you you know, you had a, you know, you have a really solid running back one and you're, you know, you can play him as a running back two with the hopes for running back one upside that he obviously possesses. Um, But like, again, we're in, week eight here things have happened uh <laughs> rosters have changed and we've evolved so uh, what our view of a running back one is is uh is he fits the mold right now even sharing right like this is something we just have to come to grips with fantasy managers is there there are not very many guys out there that uh, we can probably count them on one hand who command the percentage of workload to be considered true workhorses the other guys are going to chop it up to some degree and uh, the ones who can excel in those roles, you, you should covet just like you covet a feature back. And Jonathan Taylor is going to be one of those. Okay, That's well, what I feel. Well, I like it. So we're going to move on because, fuck, I don't need to talk about Jonathan Taylor. I already did. Donta, he's good. He's good. Donta Foreman. Now, he looked good, though he, if, I, if, if anything, watching him run on that screen pass that he had, um, that was a throwback play action throwback screen that he and Taylor had. He looked more like a, a bear that had just slayed and eaten the entire moose and was trying to run away from something. Um, but at the same time, while he doesn't have that breakaway speed, he, the power he's showing yeah. was good. And the quickness is, seems to be back with his game. He looks a little more like Dante Foreman. I saw at Texas, even though he's not quite as explosive. Um, that said, the Raiders' defense is not good. No. Um, and they played a pretty vanilla defense because our next guy, who we'll just combine this with, Tyson Bajan, 
who you know had a, a really good game for a debut rookie starter. Um, you know he he processed what was there in front of the field pretty well. He made good decisions where he didn't um, when to throw the ball away. The biggest issues I saw with him is that he didn't climb the pocket in situations he should have, and he tried to like spin away or 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 um, roll out of the pocket in situations where he had a lot more room to step up and still have the entire range of the field to process and throw. Um, but that's something that will probably get better with this game because he used to do a very good job of that. At Shepard, the problem is is that Colorado School, the Mines, and, and, and the Las Vegas Raiders, no matter what AFC fans will tell you, um, they are vastly different. Um, so with that in mind, you know, Tyson Bajan was great with play action passing and part because of the detail that he showed, he actually held defenders in check in places that opened the field for receivers, especially Dante Foreman on that big run. So when I look at all of this, you know, Dante Foreman, Tyson Bajan, are you feeling either of them as players that you want on your roster? Um, <clears throat> and you know, or, or was this more of a they were they looked better than they actually are because the Raiders just sucked. Confession time. Uh Deontay Foreman is on many of my rosters. Uh I think we talked about this at the time, but Hub Arkush from Pro Football Weekly was really convinced that Foreman was gonna have a bigger role than he did coming in. And so I invested in him and I've kept him at the tail end of my bench knowing that injuries happen where I had room to keep him. <clears throat> and it's you know, I mean, it may well pay off for a period of time. He had some fortuitous carries. I mean, he was still splitting with Darrington Evans. It was pretty even split. Uh, but he was put in better positions. Maybe that had more to do with uh, the quarterback situation or the way the offense was operating in this particular case. Also, as you mentioned, the matchup, which, by the way, Jameer Gibbs, he'll see those Raiders next week. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm feeling it. Feeling it. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, so I, I'm feeling it like, so most of, most of my investment in him was in best ball as a super cheap option. He was the cheapest of the three. And that's often how I draft the cheapest of a group uh, and hope that circumstances work in his favor. They did in this case. So I'll have one great week in best ball and maybe some more. Uh, going forward if he gets more fortuitous carries. All right, so with Dante Foreman, Deonta Foreman, above Zach Moss, below Zach Moss? Below. Yeah, I would agree with that, but but I would say slightly so. You, you slightly know. so. Until, and, and like until, you know, Roshan Johnson. So, I mean, it's a little, you know, it's, a, it's concerning that a player, you know, has not come back from a concussion after two weeks, including a long turnaround for, from having the concussion, right? That was a Thursday night game concussion and then he didn't play that week and now he hasn't played another week so this is getting all a little bit worrisome so yeah. we'll have to watch that one if, if you know if and we know that there'll be no Khalil Herbert for another two weeks so yeah. I mean for the time that there's nobody else but Darrington Evans there I think that's that he would be a yeah, he would be ahead of Zach Moss yeah until but when all the pieces are back together obviously he goes back below yeah I would say he's the player out of Moss Hyatt and Douglas who has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor over yep. a six to eight week period. But in a four week, you know, in a three to four week period, he probably has one of the highest floors um, uh, of the group. So, so I'm with you on that. Tyson Bajan, 
just we know no one's going to be starting him unless they just absolutely fucked up their roster and <clears throat> right. and they absolutely needed him. And I did have a, a a particular Steelers writer email me and ask me Tyson Bajan or Brian Hoyer this week, <laughs> and and I told him Bajan, but he disagreed with me on Hoyer because he knows I'm a Browns fan, and I just said, well, okay, but um, but Bajan, you know, do you think that there's there's something there to keep an eye on for Dynasty? Here's what's there to keep an eye on for Dynasty is there's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks who are being viewed as possibly the next Brock Purdy. And they are going to get opportunities that probably they wouldn't have gotten in the past because there was a Brock Purdy or is a Brock Purdy. And who knows? Some of them might be Brock Purdy, right? So so I don't know that he is. Uh, and I don't know that, you know, what this opportunity will turn into. Obviously, Justin Fields will be back as the starter upon return. But I don't know what the long-term view of this is with Justin Fields and Chicago. So, you know, in Dyna in terms of dynasty, I grab young quarterbacks and I hold on to them because of the Purdy effect. I think it's like, you know, this is what teams are looking for. And so I don't know if it's going to work or how often it's going to work. But while they're trying to make it happen, I'm willing to hitch my uh, wagon to pieces of that and see if it does. Yeah, I'll say this. I have I have my scouting report pre-draft of Tyson Bajan up at the Rookie Scouting Portfolio site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com. And his grade graded out higher than Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter, Zach Wilson. It was almost as high as, as it Kenny did on Pickett's, Sunday as well. You know, and it did. <laughs> it did. So he looked good. I, you know, again, the defenses were playing fairly, it was playing fairly vanilla because they didn't know what to expect from him. But he, and it was the Raiders defense. Well. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and like everything I thought about this was like, this is not a good defense. Also, it has Max Crosby. Yeah. Right. And so to the degree that they were effective, it was Max Cross. Yeah. So moving forward, Tyler Scott will finish up the Bears here. Is it, you know, he got some, he got some runs that looked pretty good. Couple he carries, had yeah. a couple of carries. He had made some plays over the middle that were nice. We know that he's a speedy guy who can win out. I'm not going to say feel it or fuck it with him as an option yet. I don't think he he's anywhere on the board of the guys that we talked about in this vein of Moss, Hyatt, and Douglas, and and uh, Foreman. But is he a guy that could, could we? Are you feeling the idea that he's what the Bears looked at when they saw Valus Jones Jr. Let, you know last year and drafted him as high as they did? They said, "Ooh." this is what we see, but actually what they were looking at was a crystal ball and it was Tyler Scott who was yeah, the, Tyler, who ended up drafting a year later. Tyler Scott is the, you know, the fuck Velas Jones Jr. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. but, but so on, we're looking at a depth chart right now with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, uh, Tyler Scott, Trent Taylor, a perennial, as much as we love, as much as X loves him or Twitter or whatever you like to call it. Uh, he's, you know, he's basically your turn man at best. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm feeling of it as a piece, uh, of a depth chart right now where there's opportunity. I don't know that this is his year, yeah. uh, to cash in on that opportunity. And I don't know if the opportunity will extend beyond this year, but if you're in a, if you're a dynasty manager and you're investing in pieces that, that are in a good spot right now and maybe can grow with it. Hell yeah. Feeling growth potential. Absolutely. Um, all right. Just cause. Look, we got to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I'm, can I add something before you start, and that may get it yes. dogging? Okay, I'm feeling what he's doing for his top three receivers. Right. I'm not 
feeling him as a fantasy starter. Fuck I think that's exactly correct. Exactly correct. And and for that reason, I want him to hold on to his job because I don't know what Kyle Trask is. I think we have a pretty good idea what Baker Mayfield is. And, and you kind of laid out the parameters of which we might enjoy our Baker Mayfield as somebody who can keep the pieces we're invested in somewhat on schedule. Good for him. Thank you, Baker. We appreciate you. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's, that's what I'm glad that he's, I'm glad that he's found a place that he can, he can dwell. Um, I'm not sad. He's gone from Cleveland. For those of you who wonder about my Browns fandom, even though I'm not happy that the Browns sold their soul to, to, uh, to spend so much money on a player who's going to cause so much controversy. Even if I, you know, we went into the whole court case, which I don't need to, you know, just from the sheer standpoint of even if he were innocent from everything, the amount, the amount of craziness that they they spent to get him after a, a year layoff. Yeah, I, I'd rather I, I'm feeling Chad Kelly in 2024. Let's put it that way. Go ahead and buy him out of his contract. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've already spent that much money on on Watson. But uh, yeah, with that said, let's, you know, Baker Mayfield in terms of any of those players on the list, I mean, if you need a quarterback, you're going to grab a quarterback anyway. He, he's a QB two and two quarterback or super flex leads. Yeah, we'll keep it as simple as that because we don't need to go into that list. Now, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, we've talked about. You mean Jake way, Bobo? Jake Bobo? Yeah, I mean Jake Bobo. Jake <laughs> Jake Bobo Smith and Jigba, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you, you we're if you want to say Jake Bobo, but you put Jackson Smith and Jigba in his jersey, well, uh, I'm all good uh, with that. Um uh, yeah, D- DK Metcalf out. Well, suddenly, oh, oh, you mean Smith and Jigba actually is a good receiver? And it's not that, you know, his setting, you know, people were looking at the setting and mistaking him for being bad. But suddenly now he's playing outside and he's showing <laughs> the things he showed pre-draft, you know. He was, I mean, so there are something you've, you've noticed and mentioned that, you know, they're playing more three receiver personnel he was on the field for 100 percent of those dk being gone was a difference in this one more for jake bobo probably than it was yeah. for smith and jigba and so i'm i'm feeling the i'm feeling the rise right like if you invested in him and you still overpaid for him because if you invested in him in redraft yeah. leagues that i was in you did overpay for him but that's not to say that you won't get something in return down the stretch this season i think as this offense evolves and DK Metcalf gets thrown out of an increasing number of games due to his petulant behaviors. No, just, just taking a pot shot there. He said old school of Bob Harris. Um, no, the uh, no, I think the role is increasing, and and they do seem to be. You know, they've been they've run two tight end sets a ton. I think that had as much to do maybe with the uh, offensive tackle injuries as it did yeah. their desire to run. You know, two tight end sets. And as their line gets healthier and better, I think you've said this since this summer. I mean. With Shane Waldron as offensive coordinator, this is morphing into a Rams offense, and I think the process is ongoing and coming more to fruition. So that works in Jackson Smith and Jigba's favor. So yeah. I feel him as a guy down the stretch is going to be a playable commodity. I'm feeling that his buy window is just about shut down. You know, if you wanted to buy into him, you need to do it before this week because basically this week proved without a shadow of a doubt to anybody who was myopic in their look about what was going on that he actually can play and it and it's just been a product of the fact that other players have been the priority um so at this stage let's go to the rams and migrate over there we got a backfield situation here 
where you know they talked about Zach Evans, but even as as probably the industry's resident Zach Evans stand, I was telling people this week don't count on it. This week you want to look at Royce Freeman or Daryl Henderson and keep an eye out for Miles Gaskin because the guy that Kyron Williams most resembled pre-draft to me was Miles. He was an aspiring Miles Gaskin type of player. So Freeman and Henderson and Gaskin, how do you view all three of these guys? Who are you feeling um, heading into um, next week? Um, who are you feeling long-term? And who are you saying, fuck it, you know? I feel Kyron Williams long-term. Um, <laughs> and fuck the rest of them. It's going to be a, it's, it's a murky mess right now. Like, so, number one, kudos to the Rams for revisiting their 2015 uh, tactic of getting somebody to roll off the couch and make uh, be a playable commodity. They did it with C.J. Anderson. Now they've done it with Daryl Henderson. Who, by the way, I think he had signed with an XFL team. So, probably, you know, was in not C.J. Anderson shape. Uh, meaning not as round, yeah. but uh, and nor was he as effective, by the way. So <laughs> we can go with that. But but like I'm not, I'm just not interested, right? I don't want to, I don't want to play this game. If I have to play this game, I'll play the flavor of the week. I did it last week because so when I had to make waiver wire moves on Monday and Tuesday, I went after Zach Evans because there was no Daryl Henderson. I know there's a Royce Freeman, and I knew the you know the range of outcomes is Royce Freeman is likely start or could start, and I thought that right up until Sunday when Daryl Henderson started that it would be Royce Freeman. But either way, Freeman played well. He played and he played, you know, got a fair amount of work. So I think right now <laughs> if I'm sitting there and Zach Evans got zero amount of work, by the way, zero, yep. zero snaps. So, so I'm kind of with you. I mean, I, you know, I'll kind of, you know, you're, you're take you're throwing a dart here, people. Uh, if you're, if you want to play one of these, one of these bats on any given week, I think it's going to be a shifting uh, mess of quicksand that <laughs> you're, you know, you might step in the, you might step into Zach Evans pool as I did. And I mean, I, I knew it by the end of the week, so it wasn't like I had him in lineups. Um, <clears throat> nonetheless, I mean, I think you could be in that situation any given week. If you woke up on Sunday and the bat signal goes out to all the NFL insiders that, Hey, it's the, it's the miles Gaskin week. Okay. Probably is right. Or if it's, Hey, it's another Daryl Henderson week. Because that seemed to be the thing this week. We saw it totally on Sunday morning. The uh, whether it was the agent group text to all the insiders or somebody's group text got out, and everyone, oh, here's the pecking order, and it was correct. So maybe we'll get that kind of clarity going forward, and maybe you'll have won the lotto for that week, and you have the piece that's at the front of the line. Yeah, translation. Um, fuck these fuckers from the Rams because yeah, because they they're just uh, they're too unreliable. Stay away from them. But if you must. Do what Bob Harris says in terms of waiting until the last minute and get as many of them, I guess, as you can afford without dropping players that that you can't afford to lose. Which is probably why this is such a losing proposition. I mean, Bob, look at the look at the Cardinals. I've just done two weeks of analysis on the Cardinals' backfield, and I could tell you right away that easily Keontae Ingram was the most patient and nuanced runner of the bunch. That Damian um, Williams was probably second in that line. And then Amari DiMercato was basically quick and fast. And that when they ran simple shit, he basically got yardage but still left stuff up on the bone. But he got the least carries um, in weeks, you know, week six. And then they turn around and make 
Ingram a healthy scratch, give Damian Williams one carry, and DeMarcado gets 10, 10 carries and leads them with with those touches. And this is the thing that I even forewarned people about in the gut check this week was like, look, some running back coaches are just like guys who didn't play the position, don't know the position, read a few books on the position and got hired because they did great work working their way up the ladder and they see speed and they go, that's the best guy. Or they see shit that like fans look at, like they see some guy wiggle like this and, and and dance in, into a hole and look quick and they get totally enamored with the, the you know kind of the bells and whistles of like wasted movement and go that guy's got something there you know i mean they i'm trust me they do it i, I joke that it's sigmund bloom's shiny toys um you know I, ism that he gets like he sees something and he's like ooh i got to have that I, on my team and i think that that's what happens with some of these coaches because, I mean, DeMarcado did okay, but again, he leaves yards on the field. And I think that you, if coaches aren't seeing that, then you know who knows what it's going to be week to week with Freeman, um, Henderson, and Gaskin. So I, I, I'm at this point of like, yeah, good luck guessing, but fuck the, <laughs> fuck the NFC um, West. Um, running back situation pretty much right. let's extend this it. up let's extend this up to the san francisco 49ers who you know christian mccaffrey's questionable sounds like he'll play tonight and we'll know this soon enough but you know after that do you prefer mitchell do you prefer jordan mason jordan mason's had a couple of great games the history tells you they prefer mitchell um how it plays out we don't know so here's this the, the, the dirty little secret of fantasy football people and you can feel this or fuck it uh but it is what it is uh we're guessing to some degree on all these things we're not in the room we're not in the building we're playing a game of probabilities we're we're trying to gauge anticipated outcomes and so for a lot of how i do it is what has been their desired outcomes in the past well i'm probably going to lean in that direction and think the probability works in my favor but that doesn't mean it's guaranteed because nothing's guaranteed as amari DiMarcado told us this weekend Hugo says, Hugo fuck knows. these running backs. Yeah, that's basically what I think he, he's saying here at this point. But, uh, yeah. All right. So, let's go with one last guy, though. Jaleel McLaughlin. You know, he continues to be a part of this backfield. Now, Javante Williams had a really good week against the Packers. But, you know, in terms of efficiency of touches, McLaughlin is certainly hanging in there. And looking like he's taken over for Samaji Piran. Like Piran seems like the third wheel now. Are you yep. feeling that? I feel that for sure. Uh, and I, for for a player who is like, so I do think Jamal, Javante Williams is coming on. I think this is, you know, I think we've seen kind of like maybe not the Brees Hall switch being flipped, but the switch is in the process of being flipped. And Williams has looked great. He's averaging five yards a carry. But McLaughlin is a playmaking threat that I think Sean Payton has an affinity for or appears to have an affinity for. And so I think he's going to remain maybe a flex-level play for me on thin weeks where I don't have that certain volume. Uh, you know, he's kind of like a, a Jalen Warren light, you know, kind of role. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's going to be weeks where I'm going to be okay playing that. Yeah. Uh, so with our list, would you, I'm, I'm feeling him kind of like, Long-term above Don, Deonta Foreman, but short-term yeah. probably a little below. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, cool. Now, would you put either of those guys above DeMario Douglas or Jalen Hyatt? 
Uh, yes, I put him. Above, uh, I put all of them above Jalen Hyatt because I don't trust. I don't have a you know faith in Me that either. offense coming around. So and, and like the Patriots' offense isn't great, but Douglas's role seems to be pretty solid. And you know, going back to you know even September, some of the local beat writers, uh, the observations on Douglas had been very positive. And just the team's actions towards him, like who's yeah. he playing ahead of, tells you a lot. Now I'm going to add something to this mix and say. Kayshawn Butte got a lot of work in week one and had two opportunities to like make pivotal plays and didn't do it. And we, and he hasn't seen um, right. the light of the bench off, you know, his, his ass hasn't seen any, any light from the bench basically since then. But I remember back in the day, not too long ago that a certain running back um, from Oklahoma made some mistakes early on in his career after a good coming on in camp and didn't see the field for a while. And then year two, he took off. So I'm just saying, are you feeling the idea of buying into Keishon Butte in big dynasty leagues as a as like a dented can that you can get for only, free? Yeah, only only in those circumstances. But definitely definitely in those circumstances. Totally feel that. Okay, good. I just I like I like dynasty and I like keeping people I like kind of doing both, so I always want to kind of bring that up before we just write off a player completely. All right, but what about Rishi Rice? Ray, you know, the Marquez Valdez-Scantling got involved this week. Rishi Rice got involved. Patrick Mahomes said, here, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. Um, maybe it was because I dreamed had a dream that I was Patrick Mahomes the night before. Um, <laughs> and But the problem was is that it's a good thing. Honestly, in that game I was in, it was a good thing that um, Patrick Mahomes is who he is because – uh, Travis Kelsey liked my play calls, but I was not hitting the receivers accurately. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I was finding them, I just couldn't throw it. So, uh, so didn't have the didn't have his arm, which sucks. Which is like, why have a dream that you're Patrick Mahomes and you don't have right. his arm? Hey, don't give me the arm. What yeah, the I, I kind of felt I felt kind of jilted on that end. I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to channel that again someday. But Rishi Rice, you feeling him, or was this a one game thing? No, it's been a multi-game thing. It's been a it's been a consistent rise of uh, you know the roles expanding and uh, you know there was some there was a little expansion for Mark Valdez Scantling too and maybe that's fine. The investment, the money investment tells you that. But Rishi Rice seems to be the guy who since this since the season started has been making the most of his opportunities. He had some drops early, but not as many now. And uh, and look, I, I you know. I, I've made the case that the Chiefs are, you know, the wide receiver one in Kansas City is a player who gets open, and Patrick Mahomes picks him for, on a play-to-play basis. And on more and more plays, Rafi Rice is making himself the wide receiver one. I could play that at some point. Interesting, because I would argue he's the guy that they're scheming open the most on quick-hitting plays, um, which is fine. But I find it interesting, but that's odd to me, because I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, to hear either that like you said he's he's the most consistent guy and he's working his way open and they're happy with that but i also wouldn't be shocked to hear on the other side they go well we've given more responsibility to these older slightly older receivers and they're just having trouble fulfilling that but they need that role we need them to hold on that role because rice isn't ready for it so he's actually benefiting from like yeah like he's the peter principal wide receiver this week you know, he's like failing into success. And I know that's everyone bad, there. But... Anyway, everyone there benefits from a great quarterback who is able to hit open guys. And so as a wide receiver, you have job one is get open. Uh, and Rishi Rice seems to be doing that reasonably well. And if he's getting some help from the scheming, more power to him. Josh Emerson, Lake and Palmer. What are you feeling about him? Uh, 
it's hard not to like him, right? I mean, he seems to have a really good, so like, like slightly reminiscent of the same vibe you get when you talk to him, you know, off the, off the record and whatnot that you get with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. He and Justin Herbert seem to be really good buddies uh, and really, uh, you know, have a good relationship. I think that shows up on the field a little bit and there's a level of trust there. And I think, I think Josh Palmer is smaller Mike Williams, but more consistent. I mean, he's he's a more consistent piece in this offense to me than Mike Williams has been. Yeah, he was a good playmaker at uh, Tennessee. He could go up and win the ball very well, <laughs> and he had some skill after the catch that I liked. Um, would you would you take him over Michael Thomas in New Orleans right now? Like over I would the next right four now. Weeks? Okay. So do you, I, I'll say this. I'm feeling that. Derek Carr was <laughs> making trust throws to Michael Thomas in this game. And so I think there's positive signs from that, that we're starting to see um, Derek Carr let it go in certain situations. But one of those situations isn't Chris Olave. Um, no. You know, the, the, the targets are coming his way, um, but there are some targets that he missed that could have resulted in huge plays. And there seems to be some friction there. Are you, are you feeling, are you feeling like, you should hold on to Chris Olave, or would you be if you're in if you're in a redraft league? Are you looking at guys like if if uh, Rishi Rice or Demario Douglas um, are available on your roster, would or available on your your um, waiver wire? Would you say I'm going to make the daring move and drop Chris Olave? Or would you try and trade Chris Olave, or where are you? Yeah, at? not not fuck trading him because you know nobody's going to pay me what he's worth. So I'll, so I'm either stuck with him or I have to have the uh, the cojones to say, man, he's trash and I'm moving on. I don't know that I have those cojones at the moment. Uh, I'm holding on to him, and you know, again, we're pretty early in the season. We're just barely a third of the way, uh, just just over a third of the way through it. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of things happen over the course of the remainder of the season. Some of it I'm going to be very happy about, and some of it I'm not. I'm hoping some of that that I'm happy about is Chris Olave. Um, and I hope Derek Carr's happy because, damn it, he looks very unhappy right now. Uh, and by the way, the most demonstrative of his plays where it, clearly Chris Olave did not run or broke off the route that he was supposed to be running. Also, what a horrible pass. It was like 20 yards out of bounds. Nobody was catching that ball, Derek Carr. So get him out of yourself first. Yeah, I think we touched upon this with Amari Cooper and Derek Carr last week. Right. So same, yeah. Buy low on Chris Olave in Dynasty if, yep. you, if someone is going to al allow that to happen. Or even in redraft, if someone wants to throw him in as a piece of a multiplayer <laughs> trade because they're yeah. thinking they need to even out their roster or whatever, he's not getting it done, definitely do that. Yeah, I would bet on them figuring out, even if it doesn't work out that way, it's a bet I would make. I'm, another guy I'd bet on as a as a dented cannon dynasty right now is Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth, who is like does not exist in redraft leagues right now, but are you feeling him as a dynasty option? It just seems sure. like that. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, absolutely. Who are you betting on is going to outlast um, in this offense? Kenny Pickett or Pat Fryermuth? I think uh, Pat Fryermuth is going to be around for a while. I think Kenny Pickett probably is going to be around for a while. Yeah. Uh, maybe a new coach will show up at some point, or maybe not. Maybe they showed signs of life yesterday. Uh, so, but either way, I mean, you know, for now, you're not playing him. You're, you know, I think probably a lot of people are dropping him in in redraft, etc. So, if you have, yeah, that's fine. He's going to miss, you know, three more weeks at least. So, uh, and you know, it seemed like everything was going fine. Then he suffered a setback in practice. So uh, we don't know how serious it is. So, uh, if you have room on your roster, though, I mean, the tight end position, if there's a position where 
having a you know guy that gets real decent volume on a weekly basis uh, is a good thing or at least a decent role whether he gets the volume or not he's on the field yeah. uh, i think that's worth having I, you know I'll, I'll keep some of that uh, if i have room on my roster jeff wilson let's end with him what do you think who jeff wilson jr oh that guy jeff wilson. yeah you know <laughs> so, yeah yeah I, I, unt I mean, I, so i had to, i had to actually uh I, he was my pivot in the zach wilson <laughs> <laughs> or the Zach Evans uh, consequence, where I did have uh, Zach Evans, so I, you know, I the had, cornerback burned mentality just shut, came in like you just right. Had so it, it would have been great if he would have gotten some significant playing time. He was on the field. I think it'll grow. Um, look, if you're just just in general on uh, general principles, I want pieces of this offense that are going to be on the field at some point. He's going to be on the field at some point. There will be games where he delivers for you and games where he doesn't. Uh, but for the most part, this is, you know, last night notwithstanding, this offense is producing at an historic pace. Uh, and if you can get pieces of that, even, you know, outlier pieces or secondary pieces, uh, I don't, I'm not against that. I feel that. Well, good. Well, you know, look, I mean, I look at I look at us as kind of like the cornerback safety combo for fantasy football at this stage on a Monday. Um, you know, we both have a, enough amnesia to move forward, you know, with some of the things that we get crossed up on. But all in all, I think we can, you know, we can shut some things down for you to help you, uh, you know, make the right decisions here. And thank you for listening to Feel It or Fuck It. And uh, fuck it. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.